So happy almost Independence Day. As we've said a couple of times this morning, acknowledging the great blessings that God has given us uh, living in this country and our great history and heritage. Uh, celebrating that on uh, this Tuesday, the 4th of July. What a, what a great day that is. And uh, I'm sure there will be lots of celebrations, uh, lots of fireworks, and lots of uh, cats and dogs hiding under beds. Um, but uh, it, is a, it is a huge blessing, as uh, others have shared uh, this morning already. As we celebrate the 4th of July this Tuesday, I have a question for you. Ever feel like you're surviving by the skin of your teeth? <laughs> does it seem that way these days? I think it probably does in a lot of ways, in some ways on a national scale because of the political insecurity that we find in our nation, in our communities, and in our world. Uh, but also it's probably from some personal things that you're going through as well. Perhaps you or your family, a lot of the ones that are on our prayer list uh, are going through that. And there are those days when we feel like we're surviving by the skin of our teeth. But I have another question for you. Did you know that that is in the Bible? Can you believe that that phrase is in the Bible? Well, it is. And it's uttered by someone that we're not surprised at all would say such a thing. And that is the man Job. In Job chapter 19 verse 20, he says, I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by what? By the skin of my teeth. <laughs> so whatever it is you're going through, know that you're in the tradition of one of the great Bible heroes, Job. Uh, going, uh, getting by by the skin of your teeth. That's certainly how Job felt. We've been looking at the book of Job and the story of Job uh, throughout our uh, summer on, in June and July. And uh, today I want us to begin there and also acknowledge um, that we, this is a special week for us as Americans and be conscious of that uh, as well. And so Job had a lot of troubles, and I've heard several people tell me as I've been going through this series, you know, as bad as I have it, I'm a, I, I don't have it the way Job had it. And so if that's the reminder that you get from this series, then hooray, that's, that's a good start. Hopefully you've also heard uh, the call to be willing to honestly acknowledge the difficulties, to honestly acknowledge uh, the pain and the suffering, and to sometimes acknowledge um, the injustice of it all. Job, as we are seeing, was affirmed by God uh, after his repentance, after God had come to him, and Job, affir uh, Job was affirmed by God to his friends because he responded honestly to the suffering. He didn't pretend that nothing bad was going on. He didn't pretend that his theology worked, that the righteous prosper and the wicked suffer, even though it was complete contradiction to his life. And so one of the things that um, Job says in the midst of all of that is, man, I'm skin and bones here. My friends have forsaken me. My wife has forsaken me. My God has forsaken me. I'm getting by by the skin of my so if that's you today, <laughs> whatever is troubling you, uh, if it's the political un unrest that you see, if it's the insecurity you feel about the future, 
If it's your own health concerns, the health concerns of family members, uh, church concerns, uh, your life concerns, whatever that might be. If you're getting by by the skin of your teeth today, then I want to share with you a few reminders. Number one, if you feel like you're surviving by the skin of your teeth, take comfort in knowing that your Redeemer lives. Rusty just led us in that song, and I've got to admit, from where I was sitting, it sounded very robust. You sounded like you really believe that your Redeemer lives. And I think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it was something that Job felt and believed, even with all of his questioning, in the midst of all of his struggle, he still believed that, and he still looked forward to the time when his vindication would come. He wasn't sure that it would be in his own lifetime, however. And so we look at this passage from Job chapter 19, a little bit further down from verse 20 to verse 23. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end... He will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Having seen what Job has been suffering through and struggling with, we understand how he could feel so passionately and emotionally about that. And it's interesting how he puts this. Because he asks that his words are recorded, that they are written on a scroll, that they are inscribed with an iron tool on lead, or engraved in rock forever. And here's what all three, thing, all three of those have in common. Some degree of permanence. Job wanted his story and his pleas to outlive him. He was not convinced that he would get justice in this lifetime. In fact, he was pretty well convinced that he wouldn't. And so he asked that his words, his case, his plea, the injustice that he was verbalizing would be written down somewhere, would be inscribed on a scroll, would be uh, written in iron, would be uh, carved out on a rock, something that would last far longer than he would. And in the midst of all of that, he gives this great statement in verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns for that. Yearns for that. Job called out for justice. He called out for vindication. He called out for deliverance. And he never got it. At least up till now. He was convinced that he wouldn't experience that in this lifetime. And yet in the midst of that struggle, he said, but I know what we just sang. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that one day he will come and he will stand on the earth. In other words, one day he will come and he will vindicate me. And he will deliver me. 
And I will see him with my own eyes. And we think immediately of that great passage in 1 John chapter 3. When John is just overwhelmed with the blessing of being close to God through Jesus Christ. And saying what an amazing thing it is that we should be called children of God. And yet that is what we are. And he says one day we will see him as he is. To Bible characters who had some kind of vision, some kind of experience with the Lord God and creator of the universe, they were scared because they thought they were about to die. But for John, he looks to that time with great confidence and assurance. We will see him as he is. Job felt that same way. Why? Because he knew that his Redeemer lived. If you're surviving today by the skin of your teeth, Take comfort in knowing that your Redeemer lives. I appreciate Jude being up here and helping lead us in our contribution time. And what he said is is exactly right. It's exactly right. The reason we are blessed is because of Jesus. He came and was a blessing to us. He came and he gave to us. And so we're happy to give. It's a blessing to give. In so many ways, whether it's in New Orleans on a mission trip down in the uh, middle of Houston, Texas right now. Or as Eric shared in our own community, it's a blessing to be able to give. And it's a blessing to be able to share the love and word of our Redeemer. Why? Because we know that our Redeemer lives. Secondly, this morning, if you feel like you're surviving by the skin of your teeth... Don't be surprised by it. Don't be surprised by it. And you're probably thinking, Bill, that doesn't help. (laughs) And I know, I'm sorry. Uh, This is not very helpful, I know. But I'm simply doing what Jesus did. That's what he did with his disciples. Is he tried to help them look ahead to the days when they would be surviving by the skin of their teeth. And look back and remember his words that that's what was going to happen. And they shouldn't be surprised by it. In John chapter 16 beginning at verse 1. Towards the end of Jesus' life. Almost arrested. Almost crucified. Hours away. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are serving the will of God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now he was going to go away. Jesus says, here's what's going to (laughs) happen. People are going to be mean to you. They're going to be cruel to you. They're going to hurt you physically and emotionally. And they may even take your life. All because of your faith in me. And what Jesus is saying here is, don't be surprised if that happens. I think because we've been so blessed, as Wade said, we've kind of lulled ourselves into a place where we've come to expect that 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 wouldn't be the case. But now we're beginning to realize that we're not guaranteed that in this life. We're not guaranteed this on, that on this earth. We're not guaranteed that in this country. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. 
Don't be surprised if you're treated unfavorably, even cruelly, because of your faith. And what he says in John chapter 17, as he prays, he prays, Lord, I, I, Father, I'm not telling you to take them out of the world. I'm, I'm sending them into the world. I'm asking you to sanctify them, set them apart. Set them apart by your word, by your truth, and the truth of your word. And the world is not going to feel any better about them than they did about me. The world is going to hate them just like the world has hated me. And the world put Jesus on the cross. And so when we are treated unfairly, when we are treated even unjustly, it, it, it does make our skin crawl as Americans, but it should not come as a surprise to us as Christians, as believers in the Bible. I'm not sure how much that will help. <laughs> but if you feel like you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth right now, don't be too surprised. Number three, if you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth right now, pray about it. Pray about it. That, that seems pretty logical, doesn't it? It, it seems like a given. <laughs> but do we? We were talking in the classes, as Eric mentioned this morning, about uh, this call from Hebrews to be faithful and to hold on and, and all of those things and to approach the throne of grace with that confidence and assurance that we may not get what we want, but we will be heard and we will get what we need and what is best. Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, in Ephesus, in the western part of modern-day Turkey, and tells him to do that. Pray. Specifically, pray for your leaders. Pray for those leaders who, at the time, were far from sympathetic to Timothy's Christian values and to the church's Christian values, but were actually antagonistic to it, seeking to destroy it. 1 Timothy 2, beginning at verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all good godliness and holiness. If you feel like you're surviving by the skin of your teeth right now, pray about it. Pray about it. Go to God with that. And if it relates to politics and to political leaders and to the direction of our country and our world, pray about it. Now, this is not just a kind of a mealy mouth, oh, uh, you know, pray about it and then everything will be better. <laughs> it's not that at all. It wasn't that for the first century Christians. They had a few hundred years of persecution ahead of them before things settled down. And it was going to get worse before it got better, even as bad as it was. And yet Paul tells Timothy, pray for them. Pray for those in authority. Pray for them that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Pray that we can live faithfully under whatever leadership we have politically. In Philippians chapter 4 is that great passage where Paul says, From jail for the faith, by the way. Rejoice in the Lord when? When things are going well. Rejoice in the Lord when your guy wins. Rejoice in the Lord when they pass good laws. 
What is it? Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Again, this is not from a guy whose life is splendidly marvelous at the moment. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He had already told them. But one thing he knew for sure, he was going to rejoice. There was no one and nothing that could take away his joy in Jesus Christ. Because his joy was in Jesus Christ. Not in his circumstances. Not even in his government. Pray about it, he goes on to say. I urge you that with thanksgiving, with in all genuineness and, and supplication, pray about it. And then what happens? The peace of God that passes all understanding that our kids love to sing about. Along with the joy, joy, joy. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding and comprehension will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why does he say it that way? Because the world only understands peace and contentment and joy and happiness when things are going well. The difference is seen in Christians when things are difficult and they don't deny the difficulty at all. And as Wade shared, they even voice that uh, uh, argument against those things. But they still do that from a perspective of joy. And that's different than the ones who don't know Christ. The only source of their joy is when things are going well. When the doctor comes back with good news, when the job says we want to give you a raise, when your political candidate wins, when those things aren't true, then no joy. But for the Christian, we don't get our joy from that. Oh, we we have our preferences. Believe me, I have mine. <laughs> But that's not the source of my joy. If you feel like you're surviving by the skin of your teeth, if you have great concerns about your community, your state, your country, and your world, pray about it. Pray about it. Let's do that right now. Father, we... You are the the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no government that is higher than you. There's, There's no government that exists that you do not allow to exist. And so, Father, today we bring our nation and our state and our communities before you, just as you have called us to do, just as you instructed Timothy to tell the Christians that were members of the church at Ephesus so long ago. And so we pray for our leaders. We pray for our current leaders, Father. Our president and vice president, the cabinet. We pray, Father, for all of those in law enforcement, for our military. For all those who execute the laws of this land. We pray, Father, that your will would be done. Father, we pray for our legislators, for the U.S. Senate and Congress, for all of the members of those great institutions, and we pray, Father, that they would perform their duties 
for the best interest of this country and your world according to your will, that they would offer that checks and balances that the wise men in our ancestry put into that great constitution. And Father, we, we pray for those that make judgments about those laws. We pray for our Supreme Court justices, and we pray for the justices and judges throughout this great land that your will would be done. And we pray, Father, for all of those that are in leadership positions, elected, appointed, that, that you would keep them safe, and that in their positions of authority in governing us, that your will would be done. And Father, we acknowledge today that that hasn't happened many times. It has some. And it also has not some. And so, Father, we pray that you would forgive us. We pray that you would forgive us of our immorality, that you would forgive us of our idolatry, worshiping things as God that aren't God, including ourselves. We pray, Father, that you would bless our children and our grandchildren in this land, that you would keep them safe today from those who would seek to assault them and traffic them and abuse them. And we pray, Father, that you would forgive us, and we pray, Father, that we would be able to act in ways, Father, that would keep our children safe. We pray for those, Father, that um, are in positions of responsibility more locally, our state governor and legislators and justices and judges, our school boards, our local city and county officials. Father, we pray that your will would be done. Father, we, we pray for those who are in other places today in this world of yours. Those who struggle a whole lot more than we do to maintain faith in you and to practice the Christian life. And we ask your blessing upon them. Father, we pray for this uh, year and next year in this important election season, for the campaigns that are going on right now, for the nominees that will be chosen, for all of those that are running for various offices, and especially for those who will be running for president and vice president. And we ask your blessing. We pray, Father. We pray that your will would be done, whatever that is. And Father, we pray that uh, in each step of the way, each day and each week that goes by, that your will would begin to be accomplished. And however we can be a part of that, Father, we pray that we would. And so, Father, today, just as your Son has taught us to pray, we pray, Father, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Father, that your will would be done in this country as it is in heaven. We pray, Father, that your will would be done in this church as it is in heaven. Father, each of us pray today that your will would be done in my life as it is in heaven. For yours, Father, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Through Jesus we pray. Amen. If you're surviving by the skin of your teeth, number four, get back to the mission. Get back to the mission. It could just very well be that if you're concerned about things that are important, but not of primary importance, and that that has taken control of your life, and you cannot be at peace, get back to the mission. Get back to the mission. And that's taken from this very same passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll read the first couple of verses again, but this time we'll keep reading. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. There's only one Redeemer. I know that my Redeemer lives. And there is only one who gave his life as a ransom for all. And that one is Jesus Christ. Get back to the mission. Get back to the mission of sharing the word and love of Christ with those around you, with those in your circle, with those whom God has called you to help and to share. That Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, you are an ambassador for Christ. Okay, so who, who, is, who do you serve? You serve Christ with whom? With whoever is in your circle. Whoever goes to school with you, whoever lives in your neighborhood, whoever you work with, your family members... Wherever you have an influence, you're an ambassador for Christ to those people. Sharing the love and word with Christ, sometimes without words by your example, sometimes with words. If you feel like you're surviving by the skin of your teeth, get back to the mission. The primary mission, whatever happens in Washington or Austin or Tyler... Get back to the mission. And the mission is to be an ambassador for Christ. The mission is to share this word that Paul said. That we want peace to live godly and and faithful lives, yes. But the reason for that is because there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom and a redeemer for all. And that's the message that we need to live our lives with, that everyone needs to see in our lives. That we know that our Redeemer lives and we want to share that and share Him with whoever will listen. When they see us and they see our joy and they see our hope and they see our assurance, in spite of the difficulties that we readily acknowledge, they will say, how do you do that? How can I have that? And we're ready to answer. Finally today, if 
you feel like you're surviving by the skin of your teeth, know that not only does your Redeemer live, but your Redeemer has overcome the world. The battle belongs to the Lord, and He has won. He has won. Jesus said later on at the end of that chapter 16 in John, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have what? Trouble, tribulation, difficulty. And he's already expressed that. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now granted he did it by dying on a cross. But he also did it by being raised from the grave and leaving an empty tomb. Know that your Redeemer has overcome the world. As Paul says in that great passage in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That we are more than conquerors through Christ because He, our Redeemer, has overcome the world. Jesus is the Redeemer for all, but today is He your Redeemer. Jesus is the ransom for all, but today is He your ransom. Has that bread that we celebrated earlier and that, that cup of grape juice that we drank earlier that represents to us the body and blood of Christ, has that had an effect in your life? Have you declared your dependence today on Jesus Christ? Because that's what it means to believe in Him. That's what it means to confess that faith. That's what it means to repent and turn away from Him, from sin, to Him, Jesus And that's what it means to be buried with Christ through baptism into death. And to be raised to live a new life. Not a life where you call the shots yourself. But a life where you have faith and assurance that whatever happens, whatever circumstances, you know that your Redeemer lives. And you know that He has overcome the world. If you can't say that today, then we beg you to let us help you get to where you can. Get to where you can experience that victory in Jesus. If we can help, come as we stand and sing our song together. I heard-